Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Walk Culture Gaming. I am your host for the day, Josh Brown, joined by the lovely, as always, Rachel Shackleton oh, and Benjamin Richardson. And I wanted Hello. to throw you off there. I wanted to keep you uh, <laughs> keep it up in the air. It was your birthday yesterday, Ben. Have you been enjoying yourself? Uh, I did, thank you. I got a little sunburned, which ex- is good. Which explains why I'm wearing a shirt like with a lobster, lobster on it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, my God. No, you guys listening at home and not watching will <laughs> not appreciate the splendor of this lobster T-shirt. I bought it from, from Asda's George. Department. It cost me five pounds. Oh bloody hell! Yeah, that's a, a plug there. I'm not paid for. I just like like. Please to. imagine being sponsored by ASDA. That'd be pretty good. Like guys, we're thirty seconds into this podcast. It's already <laughs> been derailed. Please wish Benji a happy birthday down in the comments because today we are talking about indie games. Because I'm not sure if you guys saw over the weekend, the Wall Street Journal did a article on what Sony are planning to do with mm. the PlayStation Five, and if you like indie games, it doesn't sound great. Because essentially, their <laughs> limited resources, it says in the article, are being put into uh, further strengthening relationships with their big third-party um, publishers like your EA, your Activisions, and stuff like that. Because over the past few years, essentially, they've made a name for themselves as being this sort of console where you go to to get the big, expensive, blockbuster, high-quality, exclusive AAA games. They've, they've done really well with the likes of Spider-Man, God of War, The Last of Us, because not only are these games really good and critical, darling, they've sold, like... Hot kicks, or apparently they are furthering those relationships. Yeah, and, and, and crucially, they're not available on rival. Consoles. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're driving traffic to their console. But it's sort of strange that they're doing this in an era where other console makers like Nintendo and Microsoft are being far more open with their partnerships and looking to the indie space. Because we've uh, said on podcasts before, the indie space is kind of like the future of gaming. That's where the most innovative titles are coming out and they're the most creatively yeah. I, satisfying. I don't necessarily think it's the future of the gaming industry, like the yes. business of gaming, but definitely the creative side of gaming. Definitely, definitely. But it's disappointing that Sony appear to be abandoning that. Well, that's it. Uh, especially since the, the PSN and, and the, the PlayStation stuff so long has supported so many good independent games. Well, and it's a crucial part of the, uh, you know, the, the, the um, PlayStation's Game Pass equivalent. Uh, PS Now? PS Now, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And is that it's, still good? It is, it is still <laughs> They're good. doubling down on it, Rach, so I hope you yeah. enjoy it. I think this strikes me, and from what I hear, it's a, a response to Microsoft unveiling the new hardware. Yeah. Basically, they want to try and hoover up as many uh, 
third-party developers as, as quickly as possible. I don't know if it necessarily means they'll be abandoning independent games in the long term, but it's certainly that seems to be what, what, what it sounds like from what you're saying. Well, I think we've seen it over the generation so far. When Sony first announced the PlayStation 4, they came out, their big showcase was how good of a platform it was going to be for indie um, sort of like developers and indie studios. And although that like hasn't really gone away, they, if they focused on it much less than the other, like the competition and stuff. I have a quote from the Wall Street Journal article which says, some executives at smaller game makers say they have felt snubbed by Sony in contrast to Nintendo. Apparently at the, at the Tokyo Game Show in the upcoming September, Nintendo is supporting events to showcase independent game developers. Sony used to do the same, but isn't planning to this year. So we're not only seeing like a sort of concerted move away from that space in like the marketing stuff, but sort of even like behind the scenes of these game shows where you're supposed to come out and show your support for, you know, the, the the relationships you want to strengthen going forward and they're just kind of not bothering with it. Yeah, I feel like Sony aren't being much of a team player this year no, at all, I, are they? They're, they're becoming quite insular. Yeah. I mean, the skipped E3 and, as you say, they're not bothering with independent games at the Tokyo Game Show. It's almost as if they're trying to define themselves as a completely separate brand and product to Microsoft and the rest of the game industry in general. It's yeah. not a bad move, actually. Microsoft, I don't know if you guys follow the... Um, it's like game preview. What are they called? Microsoft. Uh, I think that's what it just is, isn't it? Is Xbox it game like preview? games preview or something like that? Yeah, so, yeah. and uh, they they threw a lot of support into indie games, and they let you sort of try an hour of them early, and they they sort of put them on their store in like this kind of highlighted place. I I can't remember the name of it. It's like it's like game preview game something like that. You guys all know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is the big difference between Sony and Microsoft. Like historically, I mean, that was like a couple of years ago, I got obsessed with the game preview kind of style of things. Um, and now Sony are taking this kind of step. It's not a bad move because the guys have got to kind of like be different. Especially um, I think this generation more than ever. Yeah. I don't think there's been any real difference between Xbox and PlayStation other than the exclusives that yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part... The two consoles are virtually indistinguishable. Well, that's a great point. But that's, we we talked about this before, Rich, in that like especially going to the next gen, both of the companies have essentially announced the base specs for the next machine, and they are strikingly similar. There's not yeah. going to be much to separate them from a pure hardware sort of perspective. Well, so the it's, is, is the service the that is, will. The only thing that ever separates one console from the next is the library. The spe- the, the hardware doesn't matter whatsoever. Look at the Atari Jaguar, which, to be fair, actually was was. It was an excellent console, but didn't just didn't simply didn't have the uh, software support. And Sony obviously know this have been in the game long enough. They don't want people just they don't want people just say, well, you've got a choice between two consoles. You can get one that's from us or one that's from them. Mm-hmm. Stick with us for la- brand loyalty. You have to give people an actual purpose to choose Sony over Microsoft, especially since the opposite will happen that people who've had Xbox all along will go with that. Yeah, the next generation comes around. But they won't if they can't get the games that they played on the yeah. previous console. I think what might happen is people will be getting a PC and, and Steam for their indies <laughs> and then getting a PS5 for their big hitters. Like, that's probably what will happen. Well, it's funny you should mention this, Rich, because obviously, in contrast to Sony, Microsoft have kind of made a name for themselves, like you say, like embracing the indie scene. But now they just seem to be buying up all the most beloved kind of indie publishers ever. They recently, at E3 this year, they announced that they had purchased Double Fine. Yep. They announced last year they'd picked up um, Ninja Theory and um, Obsidian and a bunch of others. Like, they, the studios they're buying are these beloved kind of, like, indie darlings who make indie games and it, I don't know whether that's going to change now that they're owned by a big sort of like corporation will their ethos and the things that drew fans to them in the first first place like change I, I don't know I don't think it will since Microsoft is the first party operator they don't they're not as beholden the same criteria as the likes of EA or Activision 
um, they're not generally judged on the profits of the first party games either. So, and also we saw with the example of like Cuphead, Studio MDHR was heavily invested, well, it was mostly backed by Microsoft themselves, yeah. and they had complete free reign to go ahead and do a game that mm-hmm. simply couldn't have existed without it. So, yeah, I, I think this is just a, an ongoing trend in the industry of developers making a name for themselves and then being signed up, as it were, like, like a band. Uh, I don't think it's anything to worry about when, it's, when it comes to Microsoft. Right. But I hope so. Yeah, when it happens with other developers, it might be a little more unnerving. I know Campo de Santo made the excellent Firewatch, have recently been bought by Valve. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'd, again, I don't think, I think Valve have a sort of company that would allow them to do what they want and understand what makes their games successful and yeah. popular. But if it comes to an EA who might simply want the talent from the studio and not so much the ideas, then yeah. we might have a different situation. Well, it's funny you should mention it. We'll, we'll get to them in a bit, but like <laughs> when it comes to like um, Microsoft, obviously, I think their biggest games over the generation so far, their big AAA exclusives have kind of not totally failed, but yeah. they've sort of landed with uh, not much fanfare. We've had like Halo 5, Gears 4, and then a bunch, like Crackdown 3, which did absolutely nothing. The focus hasn't been on those games. It's been on games, like you said, Cuphead, Ori, uh, even like State of Decay. Those have been the games mm. that have been sort of propping up Xbox, at least for me, at least when it comes to like the big conferences, those are the like center focus, like the focuses of those big presentations. I'd say uh, Sea of Thieves is making a wee bit of a comeback yeah. recently, but that's been like the only one that I've seen recently. Totally, yeah. Well, it's like I don't know, what, like when you guys look for like these consoles, like like you said, Rich, like you, you might just get to a point where you're going to PC for your indies because they have such a good like sort of personally, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like an early access like sort of um, uh, practice system early access system I'm gonna go with that ooh dangerous that though early access that's a whole other wormhole well, that's it? it but that's kind of like what um, like Microsoft are also embracing I think it's like I don't know it's interesting that they are really opening up their console like you said but Sony is being so insular about theirs I think that's very old money in a way it's like having your console be this island that you have to make people jump through hoops to sort of well, even get their games on it yeah it's, it's, it echoes the, the Nintendo practices of the mid 80s and late 80s which worked for a period when they had a complete monopoly on the market but eventually made third-party businesses look elsewhere and led to the defections of companies like konami and square and even capcom going to sony when the playstation came out so i i think yeah it's difficult to sell the idea to developers that you can only release your games on this console without a huge financial um yeah incentive and I guess that's what's going on here. Yeah, definitely. I think so. And I think I just like the idea of having your console or your the image of your brand tied to indies, I think, brings a lot of goodwill. You mentioned EA there, and they have their EA Originals program, which like um, creates games like Unraveled or A Way Out and stuff. And those are in sort of direct contrast to your big anthems or your Mass Effects or your FIFAs, which bring a lot of ridicule and criticism and controversy to your brand. Whereas just by throwing out, almost like throwing like the people a bone, like here you go, he's Unravel, he's a cute like indie game that we won't make any money off, but look, it's wholesome and good and we do care about the art or whatever. I think there's a view that indie games especially are sort of art in a way that big budget blockbuster games aren't necessarily perceived to be, which I think is kind of like troubling, especially when you see a big publisher embracing that mentality of being, okay, this is art, this is disposable money-making stuff, but we're not going to pretend it's not, even though our messaging kind of contradicts that. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on, Rich, what do you think? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's a shame. I'm just trying to think, like, why do I love indie games? Like, what is it about indie games that are appealing to me? It's because I don't always want to play 
a big, massive, impressive game. I want to play a small, charming uh, game from time to time. Maybe I only have like a tenner this month that I want to like spend on a Wii game. And uh, I'm just thinking if the PS5 does end up being like all its eggs in the one basket, that's like, oh, that's really sort of narrowing I agree, their I audience. Over the past decade or so, I think we've seen like the gaming industry and the types of games they produce really narrow. You have your big budget AAA games and you have your indies, but that space in the middle, what, THQ or someone like that you saw? Yeah, there's, there's no middle market anymore for a, yeah. you know, an average what I'd consider a shelf filling game. Yeah. Seems a little dismissive, but ones that eventually even come down in price, which is something games don't do. Yeah, it's, you're either one or the other. You're either a big budget or you're an indie. Yeah. And there's definitely a place for it, and I don't know where it's going to come. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think even that, the idea of there just being this binary system, sort of muddies the waters as well, because you do get like these uh, big um, indie games funded by big publishers that are pitched as being indie, but if you, I don't know, do they embody the ethos? Yeah, or like I mean, the... I suggested Journey. Journey, yes. in my head, I go, oh, it's an indie game. No, Sony published Journey. And I'm like, but it is the like epitome of an indie game. But it's not. Well, it's not. It's, it's so not. It's such a vague <laughs> definition. I think indie yeah. games, it's it's much as an ethical thing than it is an actual like fundamental business thing. It's it's about usually small teams with complete freedom of the ideas. And even if they are being funded by a third party, as long as they retain that freedom, I think you could still consider it an independent game. It's like it's literally what it means. Uh, yeah. But they are independent to, to do what they like. Heck yeah, independent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to like those relationships with the big publishers, that can like that expectation of something is either indie or it's a big budget game, I think, can damage those smaller scale games. Like No Man's Sky, there was an interview with Sean Murray recently where they, they thought a team of like seven people thought they were just making this like small indie game, which is what No Man's Sky was. But when you get in bed with a publisher like Sony who's throwing all this money behind the marketing stuff, there's a level of expectation that comes with the audience that you expect it to be this hugely detailed, hugely expansive, big budget game that you can sync your teeth into because of the way it's been shifted and marketed and it doesn't have the markers of what we as consumers associate with indie games. When we look at indie games, at least me personally, <laughs> I look at colourful, sprite 2D platformers or something like that. I don't look at No Man's Sky necessarily because I don't think the industry is sort of marketed like indies <laughs> like that anymore because that space in the middle is eroded. It's bizarre to think that that is an indie game, is it? Yeah, really. Yeah, really. Um, I think I think you've hit it there. It's on how it was marketed. It was so like heavily marketed as this massive game. I never thought of it as an. Well, indie I think game. that's one of the big distinctions is that a lot of indie games don't have much in the way of marketing budget whatsoever. Anyway, mm. it's, they usually rely on word of mouth and goodwill. Uh, so, which is what makes No Man's Sky such an exception. Yeah, mm-hmm. but as you say, it still is an independent game. Which suddenly, because it's got the marketing drive, has, has those expectations. I think I think sometimes it can work in. Reverse as well, where indie games arrive with very few expectations, and yes. sometimes I love that it's good, but sometimes it can be dismissed or it can be undermined by their own place. Like there's indie games out there that are as good or as innovative as AAA titles that don't necessarily get the same degree of respect. They just need someone to find them and then tell their friends yeah. and then put it on YouTube. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh. there's like the thing with indies is um, you could say like, oh, obviously you need a lot of 
confidence, a lot of like business um, security to make a AAA game these days. But think about the guys who are making indie games. Like what they want to be creative and make this like game that's perfect for them, but they are actually dropping it in the ocean. Yeah. There are so many indie games. You mentioned Nintendo, which is like the Switch is great. It's got like every indie under the bloody sun <laughs> on it at the minute. A lot of garbage as well. Um, so I imagine people who are, you know, making indie games and then in turn people who are investing in indie games. It's kind of, like I say, like a needle in a haystack these days exactly. as well. Especially when it comes to sort of, well, what was Steam Greenlight or something? You had, there are thousands of games being uploaded to that uh, like uh, marketplace every single day and to get yours noticed, it's just difficult and to like prove that you're worth buying, like you are of higher quality than these other games. It just sort of doesn't exist. Yeah, this goes back to the issue you mentioned before about the, the lack of the, of the central pillar in the games market where a lot of these games in the past are quite similar or even as good as games that were released in 20 years ago 25 years ago which def would have hit the stars mm -hmm. and these would have had shelf space and they would have been noticed and they would have been sold and they would have been considered what what we today would consider triple a games but when you compete with thousands of them you get very easily get lost in the shuffle yeah so yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what the solution to that is, really. Nor do I. I just know that personally, when I see a sort of indie game, if it doesn't have, and this is entirely on me, but I hope, I think it might be uh, <laughs> indicative of, like, wider players at large, is that if I don't see someone, a, a game attached to, like, a Microsoft or a big publisher, I'm less willing to give it a try, even if it is sort of cheaper. I don't know whether that's just me, because I'm just... I, yeah, I, I don't, I, there's I, a level of expectation, I, I sort think. of feel the opposite. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, okay. like... If, if I see a game has been marketed as, as, as an exclusive, or as you say, it's tied to a big public I assume it's been designed with mass market appeal in mind and not necessarily something that will interest me. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I 
both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I obviously don't dismiss it no, on a turn like yeah. that, but it's just like a, it's a little check against it before, yeah. before I go into it. It's a shame, though. You're such a hipster, Benji. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, I know, yeah, Ben, what was the last AAA game you played? Put That's it on the a good question. Um, probably Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh, yeah, okay. So Nintendo, <laughs> I, Nintendo. I have a different, <laughs> a different attitude towards. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, exactly what you mentioned there. There is no sort of middle ground. Like for me, it's either these self-published games or these companies I don't know much about or it's like the big publishers. There's no sort of like middle tier distributor or publisher known for specializing in indie games, at least not one that's sort of hit the mainstream. Like we were talking before we came in about Annapurna Interactive. They've like distributed games like... Um, uh, what Remains of Edith Finch, Flower, Gone Home on the Switch, uh, t- the upcoming oh. 12 Minutes, The Outer Wilds. Gorgorgo. Again, not many people have played Is that good? I've not even heard of that. Really, really, very pretentious. I right, mean, like they said, brilliant. like their other games, like everything you just listed there is absolutely stellar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, I think they're starting to make a name for themselves and they're doing it in as, the as an independent publisher, um, yeah, which yes. is really, it's a new, so, I say a new thing, where you, but it's it's not in the sense that we used to have publishers take on board lesser projects strange, in the past. strange yeah. these days. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think like the fact that they were known, I think the movie industry, just to segue a little bit, is much better at dealing with sort of like independent movies and distributing them and like giving them a space where people know about them and have the option to sort of like seek them out in a way that the gaming industry doesn't. Well, the, the gaming industry doesn't necessarily mirror the, the movie industry even though we, we use the same term. So movie industry started with its major studios, your Paramount, your Columbia, your TriStar. And then it was the movies that existed outside the studio system that yeah. became known as independent. And that was very, very much understood. But when gaming began, pretty much everyone was an independent studio because games didn't have budgets. You had them being developed by one, two people, sometimes for Nout, who were, you know, there was, there was no industry leader than Atari and, and some of the early... Uh, arcade pioneers like Namco and uh, Konami, but over time we developed this sort of cartel of the big companies that we have today once, you know, experienced financial difficulties in studios because there's a lot of churn in the industry and that happened and it suddenly became more financially viable to be bought out by your EAs and your Activisions and yeah. to get in bed with Sony and Microsoft, which is how we end up with the situation we, we have now, which is why when we get games that aren't developed out by, outside those we, we consider them independent games. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's actually just going back to what we used to have. Yeah. More than it being a brand new sphere. 
It's it's interesting what you say about like the end goal of it sort of is now to be bought out by that big publisher. Like we we saw with Microsoft and Obsidian well, and Digital. they've been making good games that the fans have loved and have sold pretty well. Being 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 bought by a big a big company doesn't necessarily mean selling out. Yeah, it, it is possible to. It, it can just mean security, and it can mean you can continue to make games that people want without the fear of losing your job, without the fear of going bankrupt. Uh, which is why I understand Double Fine getting in bed with Microsoft. I yeah. understand uh, Campo de Santo going in with um All I know is reading about Campo de Santo. I don't know if you know anything about the um, Playmate. Uh, no. The little uh, gizmo that they've designed with the crank. Okay. Oh, that thing. Yeah, basically, I, I was reading, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the fellow who runs it, but he was saying, like, the, the way they developed that is that they'd look at the bank account right. month to month, see if you had any money in it, and if it did but inject the funds into that little project, which is not necessarily a very viable way to operate as a, as a business. Definitely not. So if you can get the backing of Valve and, and still be allowed to work on those passion projects, that's, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But obviously the problem is, as we mentioned, if you get bought out and then you get liquidi- liquidated and yeah. can no longer... Well, that's exactly games. what you said. It, like, video game development, even when you are a big studio and a big developer, is like so risky and it's so, I don't know, high risk that I couldn't even imagine being actually independent, not just making independently like themed games, like being actually independent, putting your own time and money into it. And then, because it takes so long, you, you, there are very few of you actually working on it and you need to, there is a level of expectation in the audience that it needs to be of a certain length or of a certain quality or have certain mechanics that I just don't think is potentially realistic, at least not with the um, in- infrastructure that is in place right now. I don't know. Well, I guess that's why why we don't get these type of games being released like in the shops and like like widespread like we used to, simply because they can't match the expectation that, previ- that has been built that previously didn't exist. Yeah. It used to be perfectly fine with 10, 12-hour games. That was, in fact, even less than that. That was a norm. But once it start, we start getting the, the huge eight-hour open-world ones. You can't then release a game like Goraqua. I mentioned it, it takes about 70 minutes to complete. Yeah. You can't release that for 20 quid and not wind people up. So That's the sort of, at least when I'm talking to my friends, that's the reservation I know a lot of people have is like, how much is a game sort of worth time-wise? Like if you only yeah. play something for 70 minutes and yet have a really good time, is that still worth 20 pounds? I think even when we talk about great games... We talk about great indie games, we talk about them, but then we have to sort of add a little addendum of, oh, actually, though, it's only an hour and a half, so maybe wait till it goes down in price. Yeah, it's because you have these big, massive AAA games. Like, for example, God of War, I ended up getting for £30 yeah. in a sale, and it's like, look at that, who's like 100 hours long to like £30. I spent £26 on Cadence of Hyrule, which was stellar, but I completed it in five hours. So which one was more worth the money? That's, that's I've played. It's a great question, and it's not a question I was asking in <laughs> 1992 when I complete well, yeah. Sonic 2 in right. 50 minutes. You know, because that was just that was how it was. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Because I mean, like the big games now are not only made to be like these huge hundred-hour experiences, but to last years as well. Like there are live services that will keep being updated with oftentimes free content, and that's just will eat itself eventually, but is also no good for the indies anyway. Some, some, a more nicer note, which indies are you guys looking forward to in the coming year? Because there was there was a lot of them announced at um, E3, especially, as we've mentioned, on Microsoft's stage. I'm really looking forward to that 12 minutes by Annapurna. Yeah. I think that's such a great concept. Yeah. And even though it's sort of... It was not even like built necessarily as a game. It's sort of like an interactive kind of experience more than anything else. But I, I love that there's space for that now. What are you guys looking forward to? I think we'll go with Benji. Come on, Benji. <laughs> 
Uh, we've already mentioned Double Fine earlier, uh, Psychonauts 2. Delicious. It has to be considered an independent still. Um, it's weird. It's a weird game, Psychonauts, because the actual game itself was, even at the time, it was a bit ropey. Right. But it was like had such a great plot, such great writing, such a great concept that it became a cult classic and it was just thoroughly enjoyable. I, I, I do worry that people are going to forget that the platform in, in the first game wasn't great to begin with. Okay, so we shouldn't necessarily expect it to be this time. I actually think it'll be better. Have you been Good. following Double Fine a lot recently? Uh, How have they been faring since they uh, sort of... I can't say I have. Okay. It's been a while since I released a game that really intrigued me. But, I mean, they've been doing all right. Yeah. Okay. Really? They've, been, they've been doing a lot of that uh, in the last few years, which has really pleased me. Uh, remasters of LucasArts classic games have got the yes. rights to Dave Tentacle and Grim oh, Dango. Yeah. Full throttle. Yeah, so, I was gonna say that. Yeah, full throttle. Check yeah. them out if you haven't. Honestly, I remember like going back to Grim Fandango because I never played it when I was younger. Obviously, and uh, it was so obtuse and confusing. And I thought, you know what, this is good conceptually, but also I'm not skilled enough. I don't have the muscle memory or the uh, knowledge yeah. to tackle a game like this. This has passed me by. Those games are just designed for like walkthroughs, like online. Like honestly, I don't. Ah, know. but you see, this is what we were saying. Like if you if you know exactly what to do in those games, you finish them in an, in an evening. Right, and then it's gone. So you you you're supposed to be stuck on it. Yeah, you used to get stuck on games. That's, that was the idea. Yeah, what? and you used, to, <laughs> you used to spend, and it that that was where the value came. I suppose, I maybe the internet to some extent has made it so that you can no longer release a game like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Which means you either have to have massive difficulty or massive length. Rich. Uh, there's a few. I had a wee uh, look around because my brain did a little blank. So I, I, there's a few coming that I'm like really excited for. There was one that premiered last year, uh, or might even the year before actually, uh, Microsoft's little indie showcase, and it's called The Last Night. Uh, it's, tell me more. I think I, I, think I remember like this one. It's like really bright neon colours, almost like pixelated style, and it just looks bonkers. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure it was, I, th- I think it was 17 that it was showcased, and it's still not out yet, so I'm... I'm I'm interested to see more on that, maybe eventually. I think a lot of these games, especially the ones we've seen this year, sort of like a Plague's Tale has been getting a lot of buzz. I think oh, compared yeah. to the AAA games that have been out this year have been just so stagnant when it comes I, to their was, design. Before we came on this pod, I was wondering what AAA games have really uh, stood out this year. And I think the one for me, the only one, is Sekiro. I yes. was going to say Sekiro. Yeah, <laughs> like the other ones that everyone has been talking about, we've had Resident Evil 2. Fair enough, it's great. Remake. Remake, yeah, exactly. We've had we had that month where there was about ten different versions of Anthem, yeah, all of different names. It <laughs> um, was Anthem, Far Cry, Metro Exodus. That's right, yeah. I, in fact, I think that was the context of the last time we did a I think it might be. Um, other than that, I, I honestly my brain draws a blank. Try Mario Maker Two, I guess. Yeah, and again, yeah. yeah, it's again, it's a sequel. So what's really, I mean. It was great. It was, it's actually outsold the original really? already. Yeah, nice. by double. More um, people own a Switch, Switch than do yeah. on a Wii U, though. Yeah, so I'm just thinking, well, like, what's what's inspiring me here for these big, big budget games? And the answer is none. Mm-hmm. There's a few coming later in the year, Nintendo games, but so far nothing. Yeah. Uh, interesting point on indie games. I'm looking forward to. It's actually one one thing that now independent games have been around for a while is that certain people within that sphere of made names themselves so that they can actually sell the next game on the basis of it. Yeah. So we had The Witness, uh, which for big appeal was Jonathan Blow. Mm-hmm. Like, God, Faber, independent games, if you want to call him that. But like, one of the games I'm looking forward to is uh, Telling Lies, which is uh, the s- not a sequel, but a follow-up for Sam Barlow's Her Story. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I've so heard that. if you haven't played her story, it's um, basically it's, it's sort of like a, pre, a police procedural where you just watch, uh, you search like a, a database for videos and you in your own head piece together the story of this murder. And it's, it's got it's got no like explicit objective, no, no like do this, check this, what's this, doesn't ask you any questions. You just put the story together in your head. It's a truly, a truly immersive game. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he evolves that concept. It looks quite similar so far. It's, a, it's got a couple of apparently famous names. I don't know who they are. Logan Marshall Green. Does that name mean anything I, to you? I like Logan Marshall he's in Green. Prom- Prometheus. He was. He was in Upgrade as well, I think. And Angela Serafian. I don't know who that is. Might have been in Westworld. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's going to be good. Um, I'm excited for that. Because for me, like the AAA, I don't know about you, Rich. Like, apart from maybe Sekiro, and even though I love Resident Evil 2, the, the games I played this year... They've just kind of been devoid of ideas. Like, I put on Days Gone, and I really enjoyed Days Gone. I played it for 40 hours or whatever. And it was a good sort of, like, experience just to go in and, like, do the same thing over and over again. It was mechanically enjoyable. But I, I've gravitated much more to something like The Sinking City. Or, and I'm really looking forward to a Plague Tale because I feel like the ideas, even though they might be ropier games and not as mechanically tight, they just have they just have something to them in a way that AAA games this year don't. Like, they just seem devoid of any, like, kind of... No, I'm not going to say passion, but like ideas especially. Like the mechanics are good, the world is good, it's immaculately designed, but what's actually the draw here other than the pleasure of shooting some aliens in the face in a really satisfying way? I think that's because a lot of AAA games are like, they're just, they're making money these days. So a lot of the you know creativity gets lost along the way of like, we need to actually sell this game. Um, there was, I mean, my top games this year, the Finn remakes, and I've been playing loads of ports on the Switch and stuff like that, and, and MMOs as always. So, like, apart from Sekiro, obviously Kingdom Hearts 3 blew me away. But again, it's like, well, they were doing new things, but it's still Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I want to sure. wrap this up by just saying, like, it's funny that you should say about Nintendo being, like, the home of, like, indies, like, this generation. They have everything on it. Mm. When I'm buying a game, like, I bought A Night in the Woods. And I bought Celeste as well, even oh, yeah. though it was more, it was, I think it was in the, in the sale on PSN. And yet, I paid a bit extra to play it on the Nintendo Switch because it feels, I don't know, like it feels more better oh, designed like to home. accommodate. Like, I think those. it feels more harmonious with the Switch. That's exactly Seems yeah, to match its philosophy. Yeah. One game I was going to mention, by the way, just, just to interest you. Uh, you're a big fan of Firewatch. Yes, I am. Uh, Follow up to that from Camera to Santa, it's called In the Valley of the Gods, mm, which looks mm-hmm. very similar, like in the way, not narratively, but in the way it plays. And again, I'm interested in that. Not because without even knowing anything about the game. Because of Firewatch. Because of Firewatch, yeah. yeah. I just think, oh, it's an Egypt, it's that Egypt game. Yeah. That, that looks good, but, and that's really interesting, that's really good for that, 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 that yeah. develops. There's also a sequel to Oxenfree coming called After Party as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think, like, in, in the indie space, it's, it, like, these developers and these names, like Jonathan Blow, have, like, they, you, you want to follow them in a way that, although you f- might follow the likes of Bioware in, like, the gaming industry, they're so uh, nebulous when it comes to, like, their team and, like, their creatives. Like, I couldn't tell you who's the current creative lead on, lead on like, Anthem in a way that I could, like, the guys from, like, Campus Andor who went to join those. I think you are more willing to follow them in lieu of having, like, these big distributors to follow. You I actually, want to follow individual teams. I actually think it was the personality of Kari Balog, which is why... God of War appealed to so many people and some people wanted to see it be successful. But, like, how rare was that when yeah. Cory Balog was looking at the reviews afterwards and then he was, like, sort yeah, of tearing cried, up? Yeah, and yeah like, oh, that was beautiful. Never, ever see that in the big corporate world of AAA that isn't just a 
press release that was written by 20 people and they just <laughs> sent out and were just devoid of all human emotion. So that's what it is. Triple A games need more heart. They need more they emotion. They do. They that's, do. That's Nintendo have that as well. And yeah. you get it in the press conference. You get it. We all, we, people loved the personality. And we loved Reggie. We loved Sotaro Iwata. God bless him. And um, like, in the way that we don't necessarily do with the other studios mentioned. And I guess yeah. that's why Nintendo, for all, are not that much different in terms of a third first party philosophy. It just seems more like, what's the word, like we empathize with it more. Definitely. Sure. I fully agree with that. I don't know what you guys think down in the comments below. Do you think that indie games are indeed the future? And which are you looking forward to over the next over the next year or so, I guess? Yeah. And while you're there, could you give us a like, share, subscribe, and head over to whatculture.com for more list news like this every single day. We'll have another podcast to you on Wednesday and Friday with Rachel Shackleton and Ooh, a bunch no, of the other guys. Come no, on. No spoilers. On. No, no, spoilers. Spo no spoilers. I'm just saying. You might be in it. <laughs> yeah. Even if you don't know, I've been Josh. Joined as ever by the birthday boy, Benjamin Richardson and Rachel Shackleton. Hope you've had a good time and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.